You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Hello, I'm Mirella Amato. Welcome to Hot Plate, a post-foodie podcast. This season, we examine the impact COVID has had on every aspect of our food system, all the way from farm to table. We'll look at how things have changed and try to untangle what's going on behind the scenes so that we can strengthen our connection to our food. In this first episode, Jiggly Fruit and Arguments in Support of a New Ministry, we're unpacking the food system. Hello, Joshna. Hi, Mirella. How are you? Good. It's been forever. It really has been a long time since we've been at the mic together. How are you? How's it going? I am well. Uh, as you know, had a bit of a major life change. Right. Tell us all about it. Little baby girl. Oh, we have a little one in this world that's so nice. Uh, you've had quite the year as well, though. I have. I have. Um, my life, now now realizing life-changing uh, moment was actually that, that I got COVID. I got yeah. sick. I caught the thing. Uh, I had it in most of January, was consumed with feeling pretty lousy. Um, I thankfully had a very mild run of it. Uh, I felt miserable, but uh, not nearly as bad as I heard a lot of other people feel. I didn't go to the hospital. Nothing like that happened. But oh, thankfully. I was down for a while. And... Um, and I, I believe that I'm one of those people that has had some longer lasting impacts. So I'm having a hard time shaking this. Uh, and that's been the most difficult piece is really, really saying goodbye, uh, to COVID. I suppose like the rest of the world, uh, <laughs> I suppose we're all, we're all having a hard time. Uh, but Hey, I'm better than I was before. Like, uh, and I'm hopeful that there, uh, you know, that's, that this, that there will be an end to this at some point. So, needless to say, an intense year for both yes, of us. mega year, um, indeed. But the past little while has been sort of exciting as we've been putting together this It new really has. It's season. so exciting. I have learned so much. And it like, there's a particular kind of cool opportunity when the outside world is, is such a clear parallel to the discussion we're having here. That is, that is a, that's a very unique, you know, that doesn't always happen. So it's very cool that we're in the middle of it now. It's been, you know, just really fascinating researching all the different pieces of this and what it means. And I feel like this is going to be, you know, a, a meaningful season. You know, it's a, like important I content. Agree. I agree. Uh, we're really, uh, the way we have put this all together and the messages that we're really hoping will come through in the stories and the research and the connections uh, are ones that I think are going to be so, so useful uh, at this moment in time. Um, okay, so here there's something that I want to introduce uh, before we get deeper into um, the seasons and the episodes and that kind of stuff. And that is um, some research I found from The Guardian. This is our friends in the UK. And they actually put a list together of 10 things that people need to know about the global food system. So sounds right. awesome. Sounds useful. It's from 2014. And in because this is such a rapid kind of uh, rapidly emerging uh, conversation, I wouldn't necessarily have paid too much attention to this. But when mm -hmm. I read through the list, I realized that they're all still completely valid. <laughs> yeah, For, the Guardian you know, the, doesn't that, mess around. They don't mess around. Well, this is the thing. They know what's up. So yeah. uh, I want to go through this list 
Um, I'm just going to sort of list them off. We don't need to have conversation, but just for our listeners as well, uh, these are some things just to keep in mind about our mm-hmm. food service discussion. Uh, we, and we will we will t- uh, touch on these um, throughout the season in the various episodes. But one is a little bit of a myth, right? The myth that there's not enough food on this planet for everybody. The truth is, yes, there's there's plenty of food. And we can grow enough food for all of us. So it's not a production issue. It's a distribution issue, which gets into the idea of price volatility, right? right. It's the pricing of this food that is the problem. It is not the production of the food that is the problem. And the, and the waste, I'm guessing. Well, there it is, right? And then it rolls um, is into- Is this one of the further points? <laughs> that's exactly it. You got it. It rolls into the fact that a, one third of the food that we produce on this planet <gasps> is wasted. A third? It's an, it's an extraordinary number when you consider yeah. the fact that not all of us who live on this planet go to bed with full tummies. Uh, it is outrageous, right? It is an outrageous thing. Um, and part one of the connect one of the offshoots of that is the idea that we are using food for fuel, in that we are growing food crops and repurposing them uh, for fuel. Corn, right? Corn, canola are all of these things that are oh, being sort of, right? Uh, they're things that could be eaten, but are essentially going towards biofuels, you know, and all this, you know, different kinds of things. When perhaps it's not that smart to invest in those things when people are still hungry, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, uh, and so this would still be considered part of the food system. This is exactly it, right? It's all it's of these still agriculture. Angles. It's agriculture right. and it's things that could have been eaten. Uh, huh. That are now being diverted to make things like fuel and even things like packaging and, you know, compostable packaging and all of that. This issue right. has come a up lot of a that, lot. A lot of that is made from it's all corn, corn and, and sugar and, mm. you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a result for all this sort of, innova- uh, in quotes, innovation, uh, we're talking about land buy-ups and corporate control. Right. And about who owns the land. I believe that as it stands right now in 2021, Bill Gates is the largest owner of farmland in the world. Wait, what? Yes. Yes. That's a thing? That's a thing. Bill Gates uh, owns, because he has been really deep in issues around uh, GMO uh, technology and feeding people, you know what I mean, in in vulnerable places, he has just started buying up land, farmland specifically. Uh, And to me, any monopoly is a problem. A monopoly... Uh, from I don't know an ex tech person who seems to yeah. have just put on a public health hat uh, is a bigger problem, right? Yeah, he's I mean, even farmer. if it's well meant, yeah, like he's, he's not a farmer. Said, he's not a exactly. farmer. Yes, uh, so it's a problem. But his name is connected to so much virtue, uh, mm-hmm. right? That he can sort of sail around and do things like this. Uh, and then obviously this uh, this particular issue rolls into the variances that we see around the world around agricultural policy. Different countries have different attitudes about how the land should be treated and thus give green lights or red lights, I, you know, depending on how you look at it, but a lot of green lights to corporate monoculture, really um, just take what you want out of the land kind of approach, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, which then takes us, so that's Wait. the impact of agricultural S- policy. Sidebar. Yes. Do we have an agricultural policy? Uh, we have we don't, an we agricultural don't have policy, policy. We but do. it okay. is distinctly our national policy on agriculture in Canada treats food as agribusiness. And it, it talks about it exclusively in the terms of the crops that we can sell to other countries. And and oh. amazingly, I've read it. I've recently read it. The minister um, produced this thing. The cover of the document is this yes. giant crop duster. 
Oh, uh, right. And, I, and so it's very clear the tone, right, on yeah. our agricultural policy says nothing about domestic food security, which is a shocking omission as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that is we have we have an issue to deal with right Thank here you for fielding in Canada. That. Super, yes. super problem. Uh, and then, uh, as one can imagine, if our agricultural policy is like that, our environment, our environmental policy. Oh, yeah. Right. Even worse. Uh, and about what we will agree to. Right. Um, yeah. What we are ready to face. The realities that we're ready as a nation to face is seems to be still not a confirmed thing. Um, and so the and so environmental impact is the eighth on this list. Uh, and that rolls right into adapting to climate change, which is what we see. Uh, and we'll get into conversations around regenerative agriculture when we talk about farms. Right. Uh, right. Uh, and obviously waste and, and et cetera is connected. And then the last thing on their list is increased demand. And this is about population and feeding our, our kind of rapidly swelling right. global population. And what is the plan to make sure we do all of that? Because so, already we have, yeah. we don't know how to use the food that we have. This is it. Like we have it, enough food, but we don't seem to be doing it properly. It and meanwhile, everybody. on the other hand, the populations are increasing. There's just more of so, us now. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So how are we going to make sure all of those people get fed? Uh, so mm -hmm. the one, uh, seven years later, all of this is still true. All these problems, these issues, these challenges still exist, if not in an augmented version or, you know, over right. the course of the last seven years. The one thing that I would add in here is a note about poverty uh, and the, the role, the impact of poverty on an individual and a community's food security. Uh, because it's a huge determinant of someone's ability to engage uh, with the system and the current version of our food system only exists for those who can afford it. Right. Uh, right. That's a, that's a piece that we really, and that, that actually takes us right back to there's enough food for everybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Wow. It's, it's a, it's, it's a delightful yet problematic circle, let's say. <laughs> so you've, you're bringing to mind actually a quote I read that I think really, uh, sets up our season yes, okay. beautifully. And it's a quote by a woman named Jennifer Ballen. I hope okay. I'm pronouncing her name properly. B-A-L-L-E-N. Ballen. I don't see how else I could pronounce that. Um, so here's the quote. Okay. Um, and it's about the food system. Uh, While some ignore the issue at hand, others point to the food system as broken. Both are dangerous vantage points. The chief impediment to the notion that a system is broken is the illusion that the system can easily be fixed. Mm. A different point of view is that the food system is not broken, but instead, as you pointed out earlier, actually, Joshna, uh, working exactly the way it was built, by and to the advantage of the rich and at the expense of the poor. We don't need small tweaks and improvements. We need a revolution. Oh, yes, Jennifer Ballin. We we need to call we need to call her and get her in here on the team. That is That's an right. awesome quote. I my heart is racing. I'm all fired up. That's amazing. I'm ready. That's so, so am I. Let's do this. Uh, and this piece about not broken but built to do you know what I mean? Working the way it was built. That is such key key wisdom here. I love it. So this season, we are exploring the effect of COVID-19 on our food system. Yes. So a logical first step is to talk a little bit about the food system itself, because I know certainly for myself, I wasn't mm -hmm. entirely clear on what it was before we started. 
there's lots of ways we can go. So I think maybe we'll share a few and then hopefully people will get a sense of what we mean. Um, but the thing, the thing that, that, that comes first to my mind is the idea that the food system is this complex network of people. Right. It's really important that we understand the food system as a network of people uh, doing activities. Uh, so we're talking about producers, farmers, distributors, cooks, servers, retailers and waste management folks who are involved in moving our food from field to kitchen to table. Right. Uh, right. That's the that's the the way that I like to talk about this complex web of activities, because there's lots of intersections and lots of different sort of areas in our community and our society that uh, that play a role, let's say, in the food system itself. It's basically how our food gets here and who's involved in doing that. That's exactly it. That right. is exactly it. Now, um, the thing that uh, what has kind of grown from this is the idea that we need a food system's uh, we need to look at things from the lens of food systems or, you know, to look at the whole system as a whole. Our The, the lovely people at Oxford University uh, pointed this out. They, in discussing the food system, they also talked about the complex web. But what they noted was that over the last few decades, it has been clear that a more holistic framework is needed to address these issues. The idea is that we need to like zoom out and look at the entire system because of the interconnectedness. Right. We can't just look at farming and we can't just right. look at distribution or, you know, waste management, which is something, you know, just dealing with food waste in kind of an, a way that is separate from the system that creates it is a bit crazy. Right. It's, it's not actually that effective. So there's a sort of newer thinking that we need to adopt a food systems lens uh, on things to look at the entire system uh, as opposed to just kind of isolating elements. Yeah, it's interesting because. You know, I think just as general food consumers, we're not that used to, well, certainly never look at the food system, right? but where you rarely even look, you know, some of us uh, might um, look at you know, where something's from, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, this tomato's from here, where's that tomato's from there? It might be something we notice. Some people might strategically make decisions based on that. Others just like me might just notice. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then there's the odd moment, like I distinctly remember I was I was pretty young, but there was a whole thing about like, ah, when they fish tuna, it you know, they catch dolphins in their nets. Yes, and it, yes. You know, that's so right. therefore you have to make sure to have these tunas and not that tuna, you know, like here are the kind and you know, that I've that stuck that that kind of stuff Indeed. has stuck with me. And it's but it it comes in like these snippets and in these odd, you know, moments of uproar. Yes. And then and then yes. it I mean so, I'm still buying that kind of tuna from that information. I don't know when was that the early nineties. Right. Um, and right. maybe that's maybe not that's not the best tuna anymore. Who, you know who knows? Uh, and um, you know the, I think we're used to some of you know reading labels and things, and mm -hmm. you know having some under you know we'll, you know like maybe some of us, certainly myself, you know, understand that Nestle is this big, th you know, Monsanto is this big Indeed. thing and that owns Monster a lot of little things. So yeah. there's, there's like some literacy there, but um, again, it's always in little snippets. I've, That's right. I've never really taken a moment to zoom back and think of it as this entire system. And like, you know, what does it mean if you make this one change to the little part of the system, mm -hmm. it's going to impact everything. 
That's right? exactly it. That's exactly it. And listen, part there there's there's a reason why this exists, right? Before the pandemic, we all were pretty uh, in the dark about the food mm-hmm. system and how it operates, right? The, the the context of the pandemic just really sort of highlighted that ignorance or that disconnection. Uh, but this was this was a challenge that we were facing collectively before COVID arrived. Um, and one of the and so I think that one of the bits of wisdom from the sort of fallout I'd say of the pandemic was that all of the elements of our food system really need some addressing some reevaluation some analysis uh and that's part of what we're going to be doing here for sure and uh what's interesting to me is you know when we started talking about food systems um i uh i started looking around and came across this information that seems it seems relevant in the context of what we're talking about which mm-hmm. is that uh in canada we have no national food policy right so there's this is something i believe that exists in other countries it does yes but here Uh, specifically we don't have that and i feel like uh if we don't have a national food policy how could we possibly have this this lens that you're talking about well and that's that's precisely it is the absence of a national food policy is part of what i believe is contributing to this really kind of isolated fragmented approach or understanding of our food system that we have Right. Because really, if we if if it worked in the Joshna dream, there would be a (laughs) ministry of food right Uh, at the national at the federal level, a a food minister and the who the per that minister would be an incredibly interdisciplinary person because their portfolio would have to interact with all other ministers because there are sort of relevant men, you know, the relevant food issues in all the other portfolios Uh, to me. So things like. so the so for example the the minister of food would then have to interact with like the minister of the of environment health. the uh, minister right? of health think, and uh, sort we of think figure about out Canada's food guide all that kind of stuff but then they need to talk to the ministry of social services to make sure that social assistance rates and things like that actually will allow people to buy this food that they say all 37 million of us should be eating but then when we get prescriptive about how food is grown, the ministries of, of environment and agriculture need to be involved because we need to think about growing uh, to mitigate climate change and best use of our, of our quite limited agricultural land on this giant landmass. Then, then when we start talking about imports and trade, ministries of trade, uh, then we start talking about health and national defense and security because biological, you know what I mean, biological transmission and moving or organic material, organic meaning more natural, not necessarily yes. the free from pesticide thing. Uh, moving that around the planet is all their food manifestations, transport, right? Uh, we've said uh, in previous episodes, in previous seasons, about the fact that moving food around the planet is actually the single largest contributor to greenhouse gases impacting climate change. Uh, yeah. It's transportation, yes, but it's transportation of food. And that these are the things that we need to pay more attention to. And the other thing that I came across that uh, I feel is really relevant here is that uh, according to this study called the Global Burden of Disease Study, uh, unhealthy diet has been the leading risk factor for illness, death, and disability, both in Canada and worldwide, catch this, for more than two decades. Right. If there wasn't a compelling argument for some kind of food policy and some kind of, you know, food systems lens. This is it. Right? That's it. I mean, yeah. this is 
this is not a them issue. This, this is, is all not of us. All. Right? It is all of us. Uh, and I think one of the things that we potentially, as, as people who live in the West or the global North, however we want to understand it, uh, are not connected to is that, is that the same level of food-based illness reeks, you know, reeks in the, in, the, in the haves, between haves and have-nots, we are both suffering uh, yes. around diet-related illness. It's either from having too much of the wrong thing or just not enough of anything. Uh, right. right. It's, it's both and sides. As and basic as not are, understanding how to eat yeah, properly. Right. Which a food it. policy would help. With. Right. And however you slice that, it's still a food security issue. Right. Right. And a food systems issue. Uh, and that is, uh, and the fact that we have this happening in, in sort of polar opposite scenarios is evidence that this is something is not working. Right. The system we yeah. have is not serving us. And much like I say about the rest of our public institutions, we built those systems. And if they're not serving us, it's our job to change them and to rebuild them. Yeah. And, you know, on the on the positive side, yes. <laughs> um, I, I feel like in our research, what we seem to have uncovered is that COVID has raised this issue in a, in a much more pressing yes. manner. So I'm particularly interested in uh, that aspect of what we're going to be getting into in the next few episodes and really exploring uh, the aspects of the food system that have potentially maybe always been there, but have been aggravated um, and, you know, really understanding what is going on at each of these levels. Uh, it's ve- I, I am very excited. This is like... This, uh, I think I've told you previously in conversation that there are so many moments during this pandemic, I have felt like a boxer who's been in training and now is my time in the ring. Right? <laughs> and now is my moment to be like, this is what I have been talking about, people. Uh, here we are. Look. Uh, and that is, it's really awesome to, to literally, uh, if you can forgive the pun, dig my teeth into this. Um, but so here's well, Josh, that will be my absolute pleasure and honor to be your tag team partner in this ring. Okay, so after that fantastic inspiration, let's tell you a little bit about the arc of this season. We thought that the best way to introduce this conversation to you would be to follow the path of the food. So we're going to start in the ground uh, with agriculture, with growing, and with soil, um, and then the conversation will move the way the food does through various sets of hands, right through tables and to waste bins uh, right at the end. For sure. So... Second episode is going to be uh, agriculture. Um, then we're going to get into factory farming. Yes. That's, uh, that's, that's going to be an one. intense one. That's big. Yeah. A lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then junk food and packaged foods, which is this a bit of a turn really, for us. It really is. It's something we don't usually talk about, but this played a mega role. Junk food played has a starring role here. It does. And it's part of the food system. That's so. it. Um, then the next episode will be about grocery stores and markets. So interesting. All those gaps mm-hmm. on the shelves. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about That's it. That's right. Uh, then we're going to get into restaurants uh, and then wine, beer, and spirits, and then yes. bars and booze. Man, so- never so fast. Did I imagine my to-go cocktails would exist. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so many changes in Ooh. those areas. So many changes. And we're going to get into fast food and coffee shops. Right. And then uh, uh, two topics that I believe are very near and dear to you uh, mm-hmm. and me as well at this stage, uh, food at home That's right. 
and food security. Yes, the food at home thing has been perhaps to me, I think one of the most encouraging things out of this whole yeah. piece. The joy yeah. and connection that people seem to have found in the kitchen is warming my heart. Yeah, I think uh, a I'm lot very, of people are going to be excited. able to relate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So buckle up. If you'd like to join us for this adventure and learn all about how COVID-19 has impacted every single facet of our food system, as well as the people who work in it, make sure that you're subscribed and we'll look forward to seeing you at episode two, where we will start on the farms with agriculture. Meanwhile, I had an idea as well, not as not as grand as the idea for the yes, season. Yes, tell me. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, as we go through this season, instead of our usual like, "Hey, how do you do? I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay." Yeah, but, yeah, you yeah. Know, um, I thought we'd we'd spice things up a little bit, and if it's okay with you, I want to at the beginning of each episode, I would like us to ask each other, "What was the last thing we ate?" Ooh, good. And, Ooh, I like that. I like the spontaneity of it. Who knows what the truth will be? I love it. I'm in. Right? Just as a yeah. curiosity. Okay. Um, so in that spirit, Joshna, what was the last thing you ate? The last thing I ate, the taste is even still in my mouth. It's a pasta Ooh. salad. Um, okay. I, I, did, I, had, I did a little picnicking on a beach yesterday uh, and made a pasta salad because it hangs out at room temperature. You cook it the, you know, cook it the day before, let the yes. pasta drink in. I'm very serious about the fact that the, the pasta has to be flavored like i i dress yes. the pasta with the vinaigrette first while it's warm after it comes out of the water and let that just saturate and then mm -hmm. I, I had like um sauteed mushrooms and some chorizo and fresh spinach scallions and parmesan at the end nice is that your standard uh pasta salad or do you switch it up every time well it's standard in as much as the pasta prep and the vinaigrette very simple oil vinegar garlic kind of thing yeah. Uh, and the process with the pasta saturation is a standard, but this yes. was whatever was in the fridge. Nice. Saute it up and chuck it in. Right. That's the, the standard process is whatever's in the fridge, uh, sort it out and add it in. Right. Something crunchy, hey. something bold, something chewy, whatever. Fine. Oh, that's more than just throwing it in. There's some strategy in there. There, definitely. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, every mouthful I make goes through that, right? The like a little bit of crunch, a little bit of smooth, bright flavors, all of that business. That makes uh, sense. So this and one was hey, good. And the day after, yeah. fantastic. Uh, so that Everything was, that is good on worst. pasta. So it's true. The end of the day. Yeah. It's true. Uh, uh, what did you eat? What's the last thing you ate? The last thing I ate was actually uh, ackee and saltfish. Oh, yeah. Good answer. Mm -hmm. Did you make it yourself? Yeah. Uh, I, this was a reheat situation, but nice. um, my, my partner made it. Fantastic. So it's, it's really interesting because a, a little while back, quite a while ago now, I had uh, a craving for bacala, which is... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The saltfish. Salt, salt cod. Salt cod, uh, it, yes. Italian style. And um, that involves like deep, deep frying it with some um, pickled red peppers. And so mm. we had that around the house for a bit. And at one point, my partner was just like, you know... We, we make saltfish too. Yeah. And so he, you know, he called his mom and he got their family recipe. Oh, that is good. And so this is, uh, I'm guessing the saltfish ackee part is like pretty standard. And then the way yeah. it's made is on this bed of boiled goodies. So there's a uh, green banana, plantain, edo, mm. cassava, I think maybe even potatoes. Yes. Yeah. And they're all just 
boiled. Yep. And that's like the the base. And then we put the ackee and saltfish on top. So um, that's how it is the first time. And then t- today I just, it was lunchtime. I just refried some of it. Yum. Uh, ackee is a curious taste, right? And this, that preparation is such a particular curious, that like custardy quiver, yet the little bit of fruitiness, a little, little, a little melony every now and again. It's a curious thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never had it before. And I must okay. say, I'm super curious to try it. I mean, I must imagine it exists in the wild as an actual fruit. It sure here, does. here we only have it canned. Uh, yeah. Have you have you seen it in Toronto not canned? Like, no, no, no. Maybe on occasion in a Caribbean grocery store, but I've yeah. had the delight of being in Jamaica and having that. You know what I mean? Having a fresh production on that, and it is uh, pretty amazing. What does it look like? Uh, it has a very like, um, like Jack, like kind of like a big shell with a bunch of pods kind of scenario. Very, okay. very cacao beany ish sort of when you have oh, to use wow. a big sort of machete type thing, crack it open. Um, that's the that's the vibe. A lot of work. Oh, so those to get little bits are actually the pretty the little pretty fleshy whole. bits. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. they come out of the plant. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yum, yum. That's a good one. Well, listen, we're both eating well. That's awesome. If you are enjoying our podcast, please support us at patreon.com slash hotplatepod. Hotplate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Please consider leaving us a rating or review. It helps others find us. You can follow us on Instagram at hotplatepod. Follow me at Virology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Original music by her brother. Thanks for listening. <laughs>